Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to uh, begin a series on a survey of the book of Romans from an apologetic perspective. I realize that's a long title, but uh, don't be alarmed. We're just going to lift some principles and lessons and commandments from the book of Romans. Uh, Paul's letter to the churches in Rome. This letter was uh, published around A.D. 57. Paul's target audience was the Jewish and Gentile Christians who were living in Rome. And the overarching theme um, can be the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, God the righteous one. Uh, The apostle begins this book by expressing his desire to visit Rome, that he may share the gospel with them. And Paul attempts to instruct the church about what righteousness is versus what righteousness is not. Uh, The epistle to the Romans is a manual on how a Christian should live. So, as a modern-day Christian, if you have inquiry about how you should live, read the book of Romans. Uh, If you have questions about what Christians should be doing, read the book of Romans. If you have questions about righteousness and what that means and how that can be implemented uh, in modernity, well, and by modernity, I mean uh, these current times, then you should pick up the Bible and read the book of Romans. So he's given instructions to the Christians in Rome, and uh, he's calling and challenging them to live according to godly precepts. Christian author Mark Lucado um, wrote this about the book of Romans. He says, in this profound epistle, Paul explores all the wrong options and takes us to the only correct one. The wrong solutions are pleasure and pride, as found in chapters 1 and 2. The correct solution is Christ Jesus, as found in chapters 3, verses 21 through 26. According to Paul, we are saved by grace. Uh, undeserved, unearned favor through faith, complete trust in Jesus and his work. Uh, That's found in uh, Max Licato's commentary on the book of uh, Romans. So in chapter one, uh, we're given the introduction and the first seven verses of this chapter contains Paul's salutary greetings to the recipients of his letter. 
he informs his readers about the following. Number one, Paul wanted them to know that he is a servant of Jesus Christ, as found in verse one. He's a servant. And this title, servant, is something that we shouldn't overlook. In today's culture, we have so many people that are quick to give themselves titles uh, that seem to be, um, how can I say this, that, that, that seems to solicit other people worshiping them. And that's not biblical. The titles we ought to take for ourselves should reflect who we are in Christ and how God sees us. And God sees us as servants. That title, servants, keeps us humble. It doesn't uh, cause us to boast about ourselves. Because if you identify yourself as a servant, then you are always thinking about who you're serving. You're always thinking about who's giving you instructions on what to do. And so this word servant uh, is really similar to the word minister or or a person who ministers. Uh, You minister on behalf of God uh, and you also serve on behalf of God. So don't shy away from this word. Uh, It reminds me of Paul's letter in Philippians, let this mind be in you. Uh, which was also found in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humble himself even unto the death of the cross. Jesus came as a servant. He came to serve, not to be served. And that's the mindset that uh, we need to have. We are servants, and Paul saw himself as a servant. And then um, he's been sanctified for the gospel. That word sanctified is the same uh, meaning or same concept as the word holiness. We are set aside for God to use. Uh, We are being used by God and set aside from the world that we may perform the good works on behalf of Jesus Christ. So it's important that we not only see ourselves as servant, but that we realize that we've been sanctified. We can't do everything the world does. We can't say everything the world say. We are sanctified. We're holy. We are set aside for God to use us for sacred purposes. We are sacred. Have you, have you ever thought about you in the eyes of God being sacred? Something used uh, specifically for God? Your mind your body, your emotions, your hands, your feet, you have been set aside for God to use and for God to to, uh, minister glory for himself. God wants to use you as a vessel. So you as a believer are not just anybody. God sees you as sacred. God sees you as worthy to be saved. God sees you as worthy to be called holy. God sees you as, as, as worthy to be called sanctified. So remember, you have been set aside for God to use. God wants to work through you that your lifestyle then can be a testimony for others to see what God can do with them. If 
Uh, You're somebody that's uh, quick to become angry, and God has uh, helped you with your anger. This is a testimony that other people need to hear. The, the, the world, uh, the world is looking for answers. And we as Christians, we have the truth. We have the gospel, the good news. We have what they need. We need to share it. We need to share it. We need more Christians standing up to the level of competency that God has for us. He wants all of his children to be ready to give each man, to give each woman an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us. The world is looking for hope. The world is looking for answers. The world wants to know, why am I here? The world wants to know, what is manhood about? What is womanhood about? What is uh, uh, sacredness about? What, what is life after death? What is, what is life itself? The world is looking for answers. And we, as Christians, we must be ready to give our apologia. We must be ready to give a defense a reason for the hope that lies within us. First Peter 3.15. Then Paul, number three, wanted them to uh, realize the gospel is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. And one of the things that uh, the Bible tells us is that Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies that dealt with him coming before the uh, parousia, before the ascension, before uh, him leaving this earth. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies that he was supposed to fulfill while he was coming and while he was on this earth. One of the prophecies he's fulfilled, as as we find it in Isaiah 53 and 12, is that he would be crucified with others. We find that in Isaiah 53 and 12, and in Matthew 27 and 38, he fulfills it. Then another prophecy talks about he will be mocked. We find that in Psalm 22, verses 7 through 8. In Luke 23, verse 35, he fulfills it. Then we find uh, that his side would be pierced. Prior to the crucifixion, his side will be pierced. Um, we find that in Zechariah 12.10, or, or uh, prior to the ascension, his side will be pierced. Zechariah 12.10, and it's fulfilled in John 19 and 34. Then the last thing I, I, I want to highlight, there's a lot more, but this is just a few references The last thing is he will be sacrificed for our sins. He will be the atonement, the the offering for our sins. We find it again in Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 12, which is fulfilled in Romans 5, 6 through 8. Romans 5, 6 through 8. So uh, the gospel, the good news, the uh, evangelion is the fulfillment of, of Old Testament prophecies. And in this case, I just highlighted the prophecy um, being fulfilled concerning the the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the Christos. So there are plenty more Old Testament 
uh, illusions which were uh, fulfilled in the New Testament, and some have yet to be fulfilled. Then the fourth thing is, in terms of Paul's letter, is Jesus came from the lineage of David. That's what we learn in verse 3. Jesus came from the lineage of David, and that's another prophecy. He came through the lineage of David. He also came through the lineage of Rahab. So Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. And the reason why Paul is uh, talking about these things is he's trying to paint a picture that Jesus is the authentic Messiah. Jesus is the Savior of the the world. Uh, He's not just one of the Savior. He's the only Savior of the world. And if you are to connect the dots, this is the argument that Paul is making. If you were to connect the dots, you will see that Jesus is the real thing. He is the real thing. He is the Messiah that Isaiah prophesied about. He is the Messiah that Zechariah talked about. He's the, uh, he, he, the Messiah that the psalmist writes about. So when we worship Christ, we worship in the real thing. You won't find salvation, again, through Charles Taze Russell and the Jehovah Witnesses movement. You won't find salvation in uh, Muhammad and Islam. You won't find salvation in Joseph Smith and Mormonism. You won't find salvation in uh, Jim Jones. You won't find salvation in David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. You won't find salvation with those individuals. But in Jesus, we have salvation. And in Jesus, we fulfill the law of identity. He is the real thing. We're not it's not contradictory to uh, look at Christ and know that he is uh, the way, the truth, and the life. John 14 and 6. Jesus is the real thing. And because Jesus is the one that God sent, because he's the, he's the monogenous son, as John 3, uh, 16 talks about, we can trust him. He is our true mediator. So when we want to... Uh, get to God, we got to go through Jesus first. If we want to have a relationship with the Father, the key is Jesus Christ. You can't get to the Father going, trying to go around Christ. You, you have to go by Jesus if you want the Father to hear you. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way to the Father. If you want to know the will of God, you you have to know Jesus. You, 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 you got to get to know him. You, you have to have a relationship with him if you want to know the will of the Father. And along with knowing Jesus, we get to know the Holy Spirit who helps us in understanding um, scriptures. And he helps us with our inner groanings and moanings and making our prayers intelligible. So, knowing Christ, step number one, do you know him? And if you know him, or if you say you know him, are you growing in him? Are you growing in him? Are you on your assignment? If you know him, and if you're growing in him, then God will make plain your assignment. Everybody, every Christian has an assignment. 
Christians are not called to sit on the sidelines. That's not the uh, picture of a Christian. We do not join church to go sit. We do not accept Christ to be a spectator. If you are a Christian, we have to tell it. We, we have to go ye therefore, teach all nations, uh, uh, teaching them whatever we observe, and lo, God is with us even unto the end of the, uh, of the earth. So we have an assignment. And if you uh, have a profession, it's okay. God has gifted you to be in that profession, but he wants you to tilt your head upward so you can use whatever field that you are in for the glory of God. If you are a lawyer, you need to practice law for the glory of God. If you're a mechanic, God wants you to work on the machineries. God wants you to work on the, on the cars for the glory of himself. If you are a nurse, God wants you to take care of your patients for his glory. So it doesn't matter uh, what God has assigned you to. If he's gifted you, if he's put you in a specific place, he wants you to bring him glory. The question is, Lord, how do I bring you glory in the job that I'm in? And if you talk to him, I promise you through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll speak to your heart. He'll speak to your heart and he'll give you direction on what he wants you to do at your job. If you're at home, he wants you to bring glory to him. He wants you to bring glory to him, him being God. So not only is Jesus um, expecting us to have the mindset of a servant, not only should we know what sanctification is about? Not only should we know that the gospel is a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, meaning that it's one unit. It's one unit. The Old Testament is an illusion, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N, not with the letter I. It's an illusion uh, to the New Testament. It's the shadow to the New Testament, shadow of things to come. And by the term shadow, we're trying to create this imagery just like before a person comes in your presence, uh, sometimes you're able to see the shadow uh, before you see the shadow bearer, before you see the individual. Sometimes you see the shadow first. So that's what the Old Testament is. The Old Testament is a shadow of things to come. And in New Testament, we see what the shadow uh, who was who casting that shadow? And that's Jesus Christ who was casting the shadow. So uh, we use the Old Testament and the New Testament to better understand the gospel message. Then Jesus came from the lineage of David. We talked about that in verse 3. Uh, number 5, Jesus is the Son of God in accordance with God's Spirit who is holy. Jesus is the Son of God. The power of Christ is tied in to the resurrection, verse 4. This is an important uh, concept. It's an important doctrine. Whatever it is that you're going through, Jesus has already nailed it to the cross. We, as Christians, have access to resurrection power, which means if you are struggling with alcoholism, 
we have access to resurrection power. So we don't need to give up. We need to uh, exercise our faith. We need to go seek counsel. We need to go talk to a counselor, preferably a Christian counselor. We need to uh, find out what we can do on our part to not continue being entangled with uh, whatever the fetters are, whatever is keeping us in bondage. We have to do our part. God has the ability, God has the uh, power to miraculously take that burden away from you. But sometimes God has a plan and he doesn't take our thorn in the flesh away from us uh, instantaneously. God at times wants us to do our part. If it's the cripple, uh, sometimes in the the Bible, as you all have seen, he'll say, take up thy bed and walk. If it's the blind, sometimes he'll say, okay, go uh, uh, to this body of water and, 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 and wash your eyes out with it. So God is not a foreign concept to understand that at times before God performs the miracle, he wants us to participate. He wants us to do something. So we, in the same way, have to be ready uh, and, and, and willing to do our part. Uh, we have to go to uh, counseling. We have to go to the meetings. We have to uh, go uh, look for, uh, for the right person for us to confide in. We have to do our part. So, yes, we have access to all power, but we also have to do our part. And God, uh, uh, through Jesus, who died for all of our isms, right, all of our isms, racism, uh, uh, sexism and genderism and all, all of the isms that keeps us in bondage. Jesus died for it. So we don't have to keep uh, struggling with it. We don't have to keep uh, having to uh, come back to the same sins. Jesus died for all of that. So we have access to resurrection power and resurrection power brings forth boldness, brings forth boldness. And the things that I couldn't do on my own, I realized through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm able to do it now because I have access to resurrection power. Uh, It's not about me, just me anymore. It's about Jesus. And so Paul, through the book of Romans, uh, gives us numerous principles to live by. And we will continue this discussion on the next episode as we further unpack the Uh, book of Romans, uh, first eight chapters, and we'll lift out the apologetic principles uh, from uh, those first eight chapters. Uh, We thank all of you for listening. Please continue to pray for us as we uh, continue our mission of training Christians and uh, helping believers uh, to rightly divide the Word of God. Continue to pray, as I said, and also for those Uh, that would like to give, you can go on our website, srministries.org, or you can send a check made out to Sound Reasoning Ministries to P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. Remember, to always do for the truth what so many people are doing for a lie. Have a blessed and, and, and 
magnanimous day in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.